effective in the final 72 hours. And you know, it's a, I, I would say that it's, it's not too dissimilar from what we see in the first 72 hours of free agency. You know, roughly the, the public clamor is why is it so quiet? Why aren't they doing anything? And then. Um, you know, and one was one was roughly a gift from Julio. You know, we showed faith in him. You know, by keeping him out of spring training last year, and he went on to win MVP of the year. That brings up Tom Murphy. Now, Fangraphs and the playoff odds for the Mariners really haven't increased by all that much from the start of July until today. They've gone up by roughly five percent. I mean, think about that. You've had the second best record in baseball, and your playoff odds go up. By roughly five percent. Tom Murphy unleashes an absolute bomb to left field. Wow! Welcome to Roughly a Podcast. I'm your host Brandon Boyd, joined by my co-host Phil Smurl. Though this is a post-trade deadline uh, edition of the pod, the deadline just wrapped up two hours ago. Uh, how are you feeling? Should we call you when you when you uh, (laughs) introduce yourself? Should we call you the clairvoyant one from now on? Yes, the oracle at uh, at not Dell Philadelphia. Can we do that? That's pretty good. Uh, That's that's pretty good for on the spot. But yeah, yeah. yeah. What what is the actual thing? Delphi, Delphi, Delphi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Delphi, Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's connected. Um, Yeah, I am omnipotence i saw that this. was a, let me give you some props real quick that was a really good pull because that is not a guy that most people knew it's like it's one thing like i've had a couple of times where it's like i've quote unquote predicted some trades that have happened but generally speaking it's like something that's like just so obvious that it just it it makes sense like it's just this these two teams match up you know whatever 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 Canzone was and granted you didn't say Rojas or or Bliss but still Canzone was the centerpiece of of this trade and that well we can actually get into who truly is the centerpiece later but that was a just a really good pull because he is not a well-known guy at all First of all, I meant omniscient, not omnipotent. I'm not all powerful, just all knowing. But uh, yeah, Canzone fit a profile that we had talked about last week. This is the uh, the Toro profile, the Ty France profile. We'll get into that. And the other two gentlemen that he was traded with and the gentleman who he was traded for, and that being Paul Seawald in just a second. But since we last spoke, the Mariners beat the Twins. They beat the Snakes. And then last night, they, <laughs> in stunning fashion, because I went to bed when that game was not in doubt it was a tie game, but it was just, I was ready to wake up and be disappointed by the score. And I wake up and find that they had won six to two. So the murders are playing well, which as we've talked about for probably the past month on this podcast, um, only complicated matters because they've gone from a team that was four games under 500 to now a team that's or three games under 500 to now a team that's four games over. They haven't really moved the needle that much, which made this deadline kind of tough. And I think we saw the results of that uh, team playing well, in the return that came back from this trade. The big trade being Paul Seawald going to Arizona, Dominic Canzone, Ryan Bliss, and Josh Rojas coming to Seattle. Talk about that in detail soon. Also out, AJ Pollock and quote-unquote Mark Mathias. Real Mm. real person? No. No, not a real person. There was was a tweet about Mark Mathias like disappearing at the (laughs) airport. And I just... I, I. have you ever seen the movie The Usual Suspects? Yes. 
you know how uh, Kevin Spacey kind of like his little limp turns into a walk. At the uh, very uh, spoiler, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The movie's been out for like 30 years. <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, that's your fault. Okay. Um, yes. um, but anyway, so that's what I imagine um, Mark Mathias doing <laughs> in the airport. Um, uh, where were they? Where Where was the plane going? I don't uh, even know. Reno, maybe? I don't know. But he's going to San Francisco and a player to be named later is coming back. The player to be named Legacy, player to be named later Legacy with the Mariners is interesting. Matt Brash is a player to be named later. Yes. As was Alberto Rodriguez, who we have not seen. Yes. So it's a, it's a mixed bag there. But I think the fact that AJ Pollock is gone is the more uh, yeah. important piece. It's not going to be it's not going to be a player to be named later that's worth a, any note. And granted, of course, like random dudes pop all the time. But um, I think uh, Fernando Tatis was a player to be named later. Um in the James Shields trade. That's in correct. the James Shields trade, yeah. So I mean it happens from time to time, but it's it's just ultra, ultra rare. I wouldn't I wouldn't, you know, stress too much about who the guy coming back is. I saw a stat today that was mind blowing. First about the White Sox. And and we've talked about the White Sox as kind of this worst case scenario because they literally last year. Jeff Passan picked them to win the World Series, and they are a tire fire this year. Yeah. And after looking like they had the world within their world in their hands, everything has crumbled around them. How many games do you think the White Sox have had where they have given up more than eight walks this season? Roughly 100 100 or so games into the season. More than eight walks? Yep. That's pretty – that's like – okay, I know it's going to be high because you're asking me the question, but that's a pretty rare thing to do. So I would say like 35? That's a lot. Okay, it was thirteen, but yes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no, it's I like I knew it was I I shot for the moon because it's like it's a very rare thing yeah. to walk in guys in a game. It was a very rare thing to watch George Kirby walk two guys in his entire yes. start yesterday. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's for perspective there. But we are not here to talk about the White Sox rounding out the the trade deadline uh, acquisitions. Well, actually, can we talk about the White Sox really quickly? Uh, that Tim Anderson, my my Tim Anderson dream didn't happen. No, well, yeah, and whatever. I didn't really, uh, yeah. But the Mariners and the White Sox share a striking amount of similarities. Um, I guess you could kind of say the same thing about any sort of club that is, you know, that's coming out of a rebuild. That when when the White Sox were coming out of the rebuild, you looked at all this talent. Oh my God, they have Yon Mancada, they have Luis Robert, they have Eli Jimenez, they have a. Uh, Nick Madrigal, they have Dylan Cease coming. They have there were other like pitchers too Kopech, that I can't. Kopech, uh, yeah, Michael Kopech, like yeah. blah blah blah. It was like, oh my god, look, yeah, look at all this talent. The White Sox are going to be a juggernaut for five, six, seven, eight years. Like the AL Central is theirs, blah blah blah. Now juxtapose that against the Mariners. Oh my god, they have Julio Rodriguez, they have Jared Kelnick, Evan White, Kyle Lewis. Uh, I'm not bleeping that one, I'm, it takes it, too long. Yeah. Um, uh, who else were these guys? Jake Fraley, I guess, like was a exciting young guy at one point. Throw, throw Logan into this this time. Frame yeah. We're saying that. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just saying there is a striking amount of similarity. And this is why you see that like rebuilding is a very tenuous task because even guys who look the part for a, a minute might not be the guy long term. So it's also kind of one of the reasons why I'm like pretty conservative when it comes to deadline stuff. Like generally if it's in doubt, my inclination is always sell uh, or not sell, but kind of do what the Mariners did this time. Cause you want as many bites at the apple as you can get. 
and going all in on a couple guys, you're 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 losing out on bites of the apple. And as we've seen with the White Sox, they're kind of a cautionary tale. Your core of guys that you think are going to carry you through, it, it can it can deteriorate really fast. So 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 having more shots at bringing more and more guys up, I think that's generally the way to build a sustainable model. And to round out the, the uh, transactions here to make room for all the new guys, Colton Wong was DFA'd. Trent Thornton, who we just mentioned last week, who was tr- uh, uh, traded for Mason McCoy in the alliterative, alliteratively named trade that we uh, hit up our boy Alex Meyer for. And he reminded us that the Taylor Jamel trade was an alliterative trade because Austin Adams was the guy we sent back. And both you and, and I felt like yeah. idiots when we got that that notification. And then salt in the wound, we actually saw Austin Adams (laughs) uh, uh, with the Diamondbacks just this weekend. Yeah, a small world there. And then Juan Then was briefly up with the club, is back down, and Taylor Schmell is back down with the club. Okay. I'm going to lead – well, do you want to talk about Seawald first? What do you want to talk about first? I just – well, I want to ask a question because I think we can end on the Seawald part of it. Okay. Who is the best – I don't know. You don't have the list in front of you, but who is the best like hitter that was acquired at this deadline? So at this deadline? Yeah. Probably Jake Berger from the White Sox. He was the one that he was the one that got the best return, at least from the Marlins. I mean, Josh Bell has been pretty good too, I think. Um Manzardo, maybe. Well, yeah, but Manzardo hasn't even right. done anything in the majors, so you can't really count him. Um, Paul DeYoung, but he's not like a – he's like kind of like a 9,500 WRC plus guy. Um, Maybe Candelario. Candelario, yeah. I would actually – probably Candelario was the best bat that moved at the deadline because I think he, this year he's like 125, 130 WRC plus. Now, let's just put that in sentence form. Heimer Candelario was the best bat that moved at this deadline. This was not a deadline where you saw Juan Soto move or Alex Verdugo, even in in a hypothetical move this year happened where there's actual like star talent available. And I truly think that that was this, this has to be considered here. And, and when you think about what the, what you wanted the Mariners to do, you wanted them to get a bat, say the name, who, who is the name of the player that was available that they could have gotten at this point. And I think it's be- partly because you look across the landscape of, of baseball right now, every division outside of the NL-, NL East is like an accordion. It is crunched and uh-huh. competitive. And the true sellers that are out there are very, very few. And they don't have... And those teams don't have yeah, good bats. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. so given that reality, I think, I think is important. Because if you just say like abstractly, the Mariners should have gotten a bat, I can agree with that. But you need to say the name. You need to say who is who it was going to be. Yeah, be specific. And then you also need to be okay with it being a massive uh, export out of of the talent that the Mariners have. And it, it, also, it, I I want to disagree with the premise here. And I know you're not necessarily yeah. agreeing with the premise, but like, what have the Mariners done to deserve getting another bat and mortgaging some of the future? What has this team done outside of the pitching, which yes has been stellar? Like, I think it was. There, it was just two weeks ago where Depoto went on, the, or three weeks ago where Depoto went on the radio and said, "Prime Babe Ruth couldn't help us out right now." <laughs> and by and large, it's still the truth. Like this team is farther away than the one bat or whatever. And you can argue, yes, it'll help, and 
you know, maybe that's enough to just squeak into the playoffs because the pitching has been so elite. But why would you do that to yourself? This team is not a, a fully fleshed out product yet. And you need, and I know this is going to be really hard for, especially the Twitter, you know, I want things now type of people. But this team is like a, a year maybe away from like having a lineup that we feel really strongly about. And it starts, unfortunately, with moving off Seawald, trying to get bites at the apple. You never know what Ken Zone can be. Maybe Rojas can bounce back. We'll see what jo- or, uh, Ryan Bliss becomes. But going out and acquiring the bat, even if you don't have a name, right? And it's just this ab- abstract 130 WRC plus bat. It's just this abstract thing that's going out there. Why? Like, why? I, I, I still don't quite understand, like, what – is it just because you want a shiny new toy? Yeah, there's there's not a necess- – like, a make-up three-and-a-half games in the wild card jumping over three teams bat that was out there. And and even if there was, like, what's the guarantee that it's going to happen? And so I think yeah. a move like this, which I think doesn't make your team worse, it either makes your team better or exactly the same for this year – and then makes your team look better heading into next year and the year after I'm fine with man. Like, I think this was totally okay. And, and this is, and we'll go big picture here and then we'll get breakdown to the individual players. But you and I talked uh, via text, like right after the deadline was over and I looked at my phone and saw that we hadn't done anything after the, the besides the Arizona trade. And there was a, a good bit of like, you know, it's nice to make trades. It's nice to have fun things to talk about and all that, but how much of what we were wanting was just from the fact that we were a little uh, disgruntled with Teoscar Hernandez and Ty France right now. And I think that's a large part of it. And if we had traded those guys, we would be selling so low because they have been yeah. so bad in July. But that that's kind of my thing. Like, I, I think a lot of the consternation, at least I'm seeing the blowups on Twitter, are like we needed to add. Like I I believe that we didn't sell deep enough. Like I think our sell sell off was not strong enough. And if so, it's like it is funny that there is just two completely different camps and two completely different thoughts here. But like I don't believe that Mike Ford is meaningfully different in the next two months than Ty France. Like meaningfully different. And I think twenty nine other GMs might agree with you at this point. And that's yeah, that, that's that's what created a lot of this 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 issue. Um, and I and I, I, I'm willing to bet that Ty France and Teoscar Hernandez are going to be better players in August and September than they were in July. And in that reality, you know, either you Teoscar shows you that that's it's you know worth resigning him, or he leaves for a comp pick in the offseason, and you'll see where you're at with Ty France. But like, they were so bad. Like we're talking like 40s WRC plus in the month of July that like they kind of take yeah, their so way speaking- take their way out of being tradable at this point and, and tradable for like things that are worth it for the Mariners. Speaking of that, we keep kind of, and this is something I've fallen into the trap of too. We keep kind of assuming that Teoscar Hernandez is going to get the qualifying offer. Would it's you true. go one, would you go one year, 19 million on Teoscar right now? I probably wouldn't like for the Mariners. Yeah. I, I, he I, might I, sign that. He might just sign it. And then we're stuck with Teoscar again <laughs> next year. Yeah, it's possible. And I think, that player's in there and more, you know, familiarity with the organization and a better start and, you know, all of that, it, it can work out. I, I feel like this is, first of all, season's not over yet. I'm not going to get pre-mad about the, what he puts together if he goes on a tear for two months. But uh, yeah, this that's that's an interesting problem that, that we'll deal with down the road. Um, I, I also think that, 
yeah, they, they, this team was just put in a tough position. Like trading Paul Seawold, you know, the the emotional effect of it. We've been through this so many times with this team. Yeah, I don't think this this locker room is as uh, fragile as it might have been back yeah, in 2021. Fragile is a really nice way to put that. <laughs> what the 2000, what the 21 team was. Yeah, with the with the Graveman trade and all that. Uh, I don't think that that's that you know trading Paul Seawald had the same uh, you know tectonic effect that trading Graveman did, which is funny because Paul Seawald meant so much more to this franchise than Graveman ever did. Like Graveman had put together like three good months of a season and that's, and then got traded and then people lost their minds. Yeah. But here's the thing you're not accounting for. Kendall Graveman was not vaccinated. And I think a lot of players like really respected (laughs) that about him. (laughs) As weird as that sounds, you know, it's going to be so funny if it happens. I can't wait to see Marco Gonzalez, who's been on the shelf and been terrible for the last two years, go to like the Seattle times, go to Ryan Divish and be like, this team doesn't want to win. What do you think the reaction would be from fans this time around? Be like, shut the fuck up, Marco. I I don't want to hear from you anymore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's funny how things, things change. A better player getting traded a player that means more yeah all that is true though i mean he does mean a lot i think that was that was obviously clear and we'll talk about our relationship with paul seawald here in a little bit but i think if you do that and trade tom murphy then you might have something and then you might be you might be trading with but also like tom murphy's been your best hitter and one of the best hitters in baseball for a little bit and so it's like okay we were playing this game and that i heard justin hollander's comments on 710 a little bit ago we were playing this game where it they, they didn't want to fully sell and get guys back for Paul Seawald. Like there were a lot of teams that wanted Paul Seawald. Other teams could have offered guys in the lower minors that might've been better overall prospects, but they didn't want to do that because this team is technically still within striking distance. So in that reality, they did the best that they could. And that's, that's this trade that we'll talk about in a little bit more detail with Kenzo and bliss and Rojas. And I'm okay with that world. And, you know, trading Murphy off of that team, if you're going to go in that direction makes you worse. And, and that, that that's that's the truth and so they didn't so the murphy thing i listened to a little bit of the comments from depoto and this is the one guy i actually kind of believe they kept for intangible reasons yeah um he does feel like he's one of those guys with the pitching staff that um means a lot and i know i I, it's so funny because who traded for austin hedges today oh there's the rangers did that yeah Yeah. austin hedges is one of the best defensive catchers in baseball it has a zero bat and they they went and got him to be on the rest of their team on the team the rest of the year it's this i mean the Mariners kind of did it with kurt casale last year casale isn't isn't hedges or isn't murphy but you know this this is a valuable role to play and the mariners saw murphy as you know providing those things that that do matter yeah and the thing with murphy is they're probably not going to be able to keep him in the offseason. That's the only reason that I, I think it might have been wise to trade him because somebody is going to value Tom Murphy as a starting catcher. Um, somebody is. And they're going to give him starting catcher money. And that just is not going to be the Mariners. We don't value him as a starting catcher. We value him as a very important piece of the team and a leadership, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But he's going to get 12, 13 million a year for probably two or three years from somebody, I think. And that's, that's, that's going to be really tough for the Mariners to swallow as a backup catcher role. Yeah. Especially a guy who's already into his thirties. Um, so yeah. it's, you know, he hopefully the team makes the playoffs and this is all worth it. And we got to see Murphy, but it's uh, for now he's, he's one of your best hitters. He's been playing like that. He, he stays and that's okay. 
let's talk about the return. Um, I almost said Danny Rojas because that's from 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 uh, yeah from uh yeah uh, Lasso yeah uh but it's Josh Rojas who is a former 26th round pick by the Houston Astros he put up back to back 100 plus WRC plus seasons in 21 and 22 back down to 68 this season lefty bat who could play second base short third corner outfields probably first base if you ever need him to nothing really there with his splits lefty righty it's just you know about the same against against both handedness. And he's probably our new second baseman most days, except I did hear Hollander say that he's going to platoon with Caballero. So I'd imagine uh, against righties, you will see Rojas and against lefties, you will see Caballero. So what do you think about this guy who is probably the, the least consequential piece of this trade? Well, he's not Colton Wong, <laughs> which I guess that's that appears to be his, his biggest uh, t- carrying tool here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but real quick, now that I mentioned Colton Wong, I should say one of the most impactful things the Mariners did at the deadline was move on from Colton Wong and AJ Pollock. I mean, combined, they were worth negative three war over the course of the season. So just having a replacement level guy, which I'm fairly confident Rojas is going to be at least replacement level for the rest of the year. Um, that's, you know, it's an upgrade. I, yeah. I, I know it doesn't feel traditionally like an upgrade, but uh, technically it is. Um, as far as Rojas, the player goes, I'm not sure this is actually an inconsequential one. I was telling you about this earlier. Um, to I, me, I said Rojas, least, least consequential, not inconsequential. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fair enough. If he's the least consequential and he does what I think he's capable of doing, this is going to be a Ty France, uh, Andres Munoz. Taylor Trammell, Luis Torrens level return, um, which all of a sudden is actually not looking as good. <laughs> really, Munoz is the only guy. Yeah, that, that was that was a different yeah. different story yeah. a couple years ago. But anyways, yeah. um, no, but Rojas looks a lot like pre twenty twenty three JP Crawford when he's going right. Uh, it's a bat that's like a hundred hundred and ten WRC plus, very light hitter, very light hitting in terms of power output, but gets to that 100, 110 WRC plus by just not striking out, refusing to strike out, just putting the ball in play. And like we've said before, with guys like him who don't put the ball in play particularly hard, the way you make up for that is by putting it in play a lot. Mm-hmm. And he 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 used to do that. The strikeouts have crept up, the walks have crept down. So two two issues right there. Um, but the profile just looks a lot like 2022, 2021 JP Crawford when he's going right. So, so a, a good player, a good, and we all love JP back then. He got five years, 56 million for doing that. He's obviously evolved into a, a new type of guy and we're all very happy for that. Um, but that's, that's kind of what Rojas is looking like. Rojas, the big difference this year, just as in a quick glance at his StatCast page, is just the the hard hit is just not there. He he's yeah. gone down from thirty six percent hard hit rate to twenty six this year, which has affected all of his X stats. So I mean, the contact rate, uh, he's striking out a little bit more and walking a little bit less. Um, but if he can't hit the ball hard enough, then that's going to to change, you know, cause ripple effects in his stuff. So. Hopefully they, they find something, but even if we just get this guy, like, let me just look Colton Wong WRC plus, uh, it was like 40 something we're talking 63 was, was Rojas. Oh yeah. 36 is, is yeah. Colton Wong. So like, 
the the, the replacement, the 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 plus here, um, even if it's just an average guy the rest of the year, this that's that's better than what we had. Yeah, agreed. And like I said, I think there's more room than that. I mean, at a certain point, the Diamondbacks, even as early as this year, were convinced this guy was a long-term piece for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, I guess you could say the same thing about like Colton Wong was a great player before this year, but Rojas has the advantage of being a lot younger. So I don't think there's any sort of skill deterioration going on yet. Yeah. Um, probably just a bad season is my, is my assumption. And he's taller and can play more positions than Colton Wong. So yeah. it's like, you know, that's there's, there's, there's value here. Uh, Ryan Bliss, 23 year old middle infield prospect was the second round pick by the Diamondbacks out of Auburn in 2021. He is five foot six. He is very short. He was terrorizing double A this year. He had uh, 12 homers and 30 steals in 68 games. WRC plus in the six, 160s. Got called up to AAA, has not found that level of success in AAA, but is still very young for that level. Uh, what do you think of Ryan Bliss? Okay, so I like this guy's fan graphs page. And I'll tell you why. There's a distinctive pattern that emerges when you look at his baseball reference fan graphs page, whatever it is. The first five, three, four hundred at bats at any level, he sucks. He's like, he's terrible. And then something happens at each level. Like, look, even going back to when he was at Auburn, his freshman year, he was not that great. I think he had an OPS in like the 700s. Then his sophomore year was like 900. Then his junior year was like 1,000. And so once he clicks, he clicks. Uh, last year, I think it was 2022, he had like a 640 OPS in high A. But the Diamondbacks obviously saw something that wanted they wanted to promote him. Uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me. They wanted to promote him, and then he got comfortable at double A, tore the cover off the ball. He's not comfortable yet at triple A. My assumption is once he settles into triple A, he'll start tearing the cover off the ball, and then we might see him sometime mid 2024. Yeah, I think mid 2024 sounds right. I, don't, I, I, I think there's a, a temptation and an allure here for this to be uh, your, your second baseman of, of the starting second baseman to start 2023 or sorry, 2024. But um, I think that would be a little rushed unless he dominates the PCL and looks really good in spring next year. But I think you probably still need uh, a contingency plan there, which might be Rojas depending on how he does as well. Uh, but I, I, I think the, 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 this type of player was desperately needed in, in the, the organization. And we had talked about this a couple of times, yeah. of like after Cade Marlowe gets called up, like there is nothing in between him and Harry Ford and <laughs> like that whole, yes. that whole wave. And so guy, chasm. exactly. So a guy like bliss to kind of be uh, an in-between here of somebody who, uh, you know, is a next, like when we say next wave, like the Mariners next wave, this, this adds somebody who's more realistic to bring up um, in the near term. And the it's not just like because he's there is his value. It's I think there's a really interesting player here. If you watch his swing, maybe it's maybe it's the the size, the proportions. He's a Altuve. very well. There's a little bit of that, but just a really fast swing. Like his his ability to get his bat off his shoulder and square it around. I don't know. I see a lot of. I mean, look at the swing. It looks just like Altuve, and it's not just because he's short. 
it's the high leg kick, the quick hands, like the fast bat, the whole yeah. deal just looks Altuve-ish. Yeah, it's so it's it's an it's enticing, and like I said, that the the speed power combo there, like thirty steals and sixty eight games. If you watch some of those like double A highlights, like the throws to second base, either are non existent or terrible. So like he should be tearing up the bases, but um that's that's okay like we got these big bases man like it's it's fun times on the base paths and so having fast guys you can get on base and knock it around a little bit um is fun and and he's playing short sounds like but but uh he was getting bumped up against uh arizona's khalil watson who is that's not the name is it Mm. no no, 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 Khalil Cl- Watson is uh Khalil Watson second my head from the from the Miami thing. Yeah, who, from the Miami trade today. Who's the uh the Diamondbacks prospect who's who's playing short that I'm thinking of? Not, not uh it's not Marcelo Meyer, it's uh Oh, Jordan Lawler. Yes, Jordan Lawler, exactly. Yes. yes. So Lawler was blocking him as a shortstop in the Diamondbacks system. Uh, so he's playing second and a lot of people think that's his uh final position. So that makes sense. Damn, for, for I forgot Watson. they had Lawler. That that's gonna be a good team. Yeah, man, the Diamondbacks they can hit, and um, and and they can hit so well that trading two of their hitters <laughs> to to us for a bullpen player was worth it. Anything else um, on Bliss? Real quick on Bliss, it just fills an or like you said, it fills an organizational gap. There is no middle infield high minors guys to of note. I mean, it's it's just really really dark right there right now, and a lot of that comes from the fact that they traded their best two middle infielders that would have filled that gap in Edwin Arroyo and um, uh, Marte. Um, I almost said Cattell Marte because he's stuck in my head because of the Diamondbacks <laughs> now. But um, yeah, it, that they, they obviously traded those two guys away for Luis Castillo. So this kind of fills that organizational hole. If someone gets hurt next year, whatever, this guy's not too far away. And I think there's, again, untapped upside there. Which brings us to... The bell of the ball, Dominic Jean Kenzone. And I am excited about this, not just because I called it, but I really, really like this player. He's about to turn 26 um, just a couple of weeks here. He's a former eighth round pick uh, by Arizona in 2019 out of Ohio State. He's a lanky lefty who doesn't strike out very much, has hit, not just hit well, hit very well at every level he's been at, including in college, where in the Big Ten as a junior, he led the conference in batting average, extra base hits, and RBIs. He just had four hits in three games against the Mariners, including the game-winning RBI in game two. So I feel like a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't know about this guy. It's like, don't think you watch those games, man. Look pretty good to me. And he reminds me of Ty France for a few reasons. One, we traded for him. He hit at every level, including college, as Ty France did. He mashed in the PCL, um, and he didn't quite have a home in Arizona, which is exactly what happened with Ty France. He didn't have a home in San Diego. Now you could use this argument against me and be like, you guys just started the show talking about how frustrated you are with Ty France. Yeah, but this is different. So I don't. Yeah, but also Ty France has provided exceptional value over the past three years. So that's true. Yeah, Ty France made a fucking all star game. So yeah, he sucks now, but that's like that's not a fair criticism. I really like Canzone and and. I think that similar to uh, Bliss, you know, it's like you could spin it, be like, oh, he's 26 and he's like kind of a, a maybe a quad A guy. Um, he hits the ball very hard. Uh, it makes has good swing take decisions. I think there's potential here. And I think that his value is suppressed a little bit just because he was somewhat blocked in Arizona. So what do you think of uh, your Italian brethren? Well, I want to start off by saying this. There's, again... All I have to go on when I'm gauging the pulse of the fans is like blogs, Twitter, whatever. 
there's been a lot of hot takes thrown around about like, oh, this Canzone is like the headliner because I, I think rightfully so. Most people have kind of picked him out. Although there was a weird quote that um, DePoto had today saying that Josh Rojas was the headliner. It was something like uh, they were insistent on getting him from Arizona. And that's why the deal took like five or six days to get done. Cause they just refused to not have Rojas. In I, the... I think did you see that? I did not see that, but I think it didn't okay. get done because they didn't want to give Paul Seawald <laughs> to, to the Diamondbacks yeah. as they were playing him, which makes total sense well, to me. Well, okay. So whatever, but point is DePoto is weirdly high on Josh Rojas for reasons that, you know, I'm not, fully understanding quite yet but. yeah canzone what so when when pressed on on 710 today by uh dave wyman and whoever the hell's with dave wyman on on set on that radio show justin hollander when they were when they were kind of trying to back him in a corner of just like yeah we're a little underwhelmed with this we look at the batting average and uh just seeing yeah. two, 220 here uh justin uh d- and mm-hmm. Justin that's Hollander, a really good that's a really good impersonation <laughs> justin hollander's response was well Dominic Canzone, basically what he said was Dominic Canzone was one of the best hitters in the minor leagues this year and is already showing that he's a good major league hitter. That was, yeah, and those, that was the thesis. I, I don't, I don't think those guys are like nuanced enough to realize that like, they don't, Dominic they, don't Canzone, they don't know what yeah. photographs is. It's and like his, if you look at Canzone's ex Woba in his time in the majors, which if I said the word ex Woba on Bob and Wyman or whatever, they would, their heads would just explode. They'd be like, yeah, but... I know a good ex Woba place. My <laughs> wife likes it. <laughs> They got those bubbles in the tea. <laughs> oh, I, I do like Boba though. I love um, Boba. But anyway, even in his even in his small sample in the majors, his ex Woba is like he's been one of the unluckiest players in baseball. He's his he's barreling pitches up. He's hitting them hard. Like he's doing a great job. He's just not quite seeing the results yet. That'll change, obviously, as we know about baseball. It always does. If a guy's underlying stats tell you that, it's generally true. Um, one point I want to make about this trade is again you see a lot of stuff on twitter you see a lot of stuff again talk radio is actually a great place that this also comes up um you'll look at this package and you'll see josh rojas who's the major leaguer then you'll see dominic canzone who's like i think the number 17 ranked Mm -hmm. prospect in arizona system and then you'll see josh bliss who i think is in the mid-teens as well 19 18 17 somewhere in that range yeah you always get the revisionist stuff though of like we were just about to do a a new prospect rankings and both of those guys have been higher so yeah i mean so that's my point here is like if there were to be mid season rankings both of those guys would be a lot higher because bliss has absolutely scorched double a to the point of getting promoted Ken Zone has been the best hitter in minor league baseball. And then you can say, oh, well, the Mariners just bought high like they always do. Yo, ho, ho, whatever. And that's just not the case. I mean, both of these guys have made real adjustments. And you can go through any article and see what those adjustments have been. Uh, for Bliss, it's a little bit less of that exaggerated leg, leg kick, a little bit tighter with the hands, all of that. And Ken Zone is, again, when you have these guys who make these adjustments, and then they start seeing the results. I think it's a pretty good bet that those are going to stick. So I wouldn't worry too much about not getting a number, uh, an organizational top 10 guy back or whatever. Plus the fact that Canzone is already close to being a finished product. Bliss, he's got a little more developmental time, but Canzone is kind of what he is. There's there's more so uh, a certainty in what you're getting back. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the reports about his defense are, are mixed. I can't speak to that as much. I mean, I, I have, you know, become enamored with the hitter. I don't have the, the, the record on, on his, his Hollander uh, said he's an above average corner outfielder, which I don't know if we trust Hollander. <laughs> that was the first time I had heard that. That's not usually yeah. in the first sentence or two about, about Canzone. And, and so we'll see there. I think it's another part of this is like, and you know, call it lazy, you know, you can spin this however you want, but like these guys play in the PCL and in the PCL, you play like the same teams over and over. They had a lot of looks at Canzone and bliss to, to really examine what they had here. And, and you could probably say, Hey, they had a lot of looks at Cooper Hummel and, and yeah, that's also true. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I think that the bullpen is what you are is the the cost of this right you're t- you can't just like scoff over that you are taking the highest leverage reliever one of the best relievers in Mariners history out of the the picture here the bullpen will need to adjust but as we have said over and over especially recently like look back at the 2021 Mariners bullpen it is made up of dudes who I don't even know if they're still alive anymore like Drew Steckenrider Joe Smith like and they made it freaking work they can do it again and yeah and and they will do it again and they have the guys to do it right now so i'm not too worried about that um josh rojas even if he's just whatever it's going to be better than colton wong i really like ryan bliss as a a, a prospect in the near term and i think canzone be- makes your lineup better now so yes uh, this this is this is in my book a dub this is a, this is yeah a this is a dub this there's just no other way to spin it this is like this is a dub this is a good this was just a good thing. Yeah. Get, getting two major league players back. One of whom has upside. One of them is serviceable right away with, with Rojas, especially given the situation um, was great. And then you have a nice little sweetener on top with whatever bliss can become. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm into it. I will miss I'm the good. hell out of Paul, Paul Seawald and we can talk about him very shortly, but uh, I think, you know, it, it it's not this like radical change that people might've expected, but this definitely made you better. Yeah. And there's just, it makes you better now and it makes you better in the future. And to me, you always trade, trade relievers. Just you always yeah. do as a rule. Like you just have to. And They're you don't trade too, for them. <laughs> no. And you never trade for them. And if, like, I would be pretty upset if the, I mean, the Mariners traded for a reliever today, but they also traded the reliever they traded for was for another reliever. So it wasn't like a big deal. But one of the best things and most redeeming qualities about the DePoto era is that he hardly ever trades for relievers. There was the only one I can really remember off the top of my head is um Castillo. Uh Castillo. And look at what happened to him. He has like an eight ERA in Tacoma right now. Yeah. So just what, don't never happen again. Don't trade for relievers. Just as a rule and always trade your good relievers. That's just that's just if I was a GM, that's how I would do it. And I'm glad that he kind of feels the same way. It's true. Yeah. And, and just, you know, the volatility of that. And I, I fully expect Paul Seawold to be awesome in Arizona. It's not even that it's just, you know, the, the value there. Like I looked at, uh, I looked at the Mariners, like where, where does Paul Seawold rank as an all-time Mariner? And, and the emotional answer to that question is much different than like the, the yeah. you know, hardcore war answer to that. But I'm going to give you uh, one clue at this. He baseball reference finishes with the exact same career war as a Mariner as this player who we have talked about somewhat recently, who ended up being traded to the Diamondbacks. That uh, is one degree of separation from Jose Caballero. Mike Leake. Same 
career Mariners war as Mike Leake. That's that's not good. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just reliever. It's... The, the simple fact of the matter is, and that's a great way to illustrate it. Relievers just aren't that fucking valuable. They're just not. And I know we have a lot of emotional attachment to them because they come in in high leverage situations and they're the last space on the TV you see and they're all excited and you're all excited because you just won and yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, look at what Paul Seawall did. And it helps you forget about the first eight and a half innings of the game. But why are we in a one, just, one, one run game in the first place? Yeah. Relievers just aren't that valuable. And I, I saw a great tweet yesterday that uh, someone did because, you know, the Mariners scored five runs in the in the eighth inning to kind of loosen loosen the game up a little bit or four runs, whatever it was. Yep. Um, and the tweet was like, maybe the best reliever or best closer is just scoring four runs in the eighth <laughs> inning. And it's true. Like I, I relievers just aren't that valuable. It's just it's just the truth. Yeah. And I mean, the, the best ones are very valuable like Felix Bautista and Edwin Diaz last year who have these amazing seasons. Uh, but you know, that, that level of performance kind of, kind of oscillates. So yes, we, we, we don't have to, you know, just continue nailing the Paul Seawald. He did nothing wrong. He was, he was, no, he, Paul's great. He was yeah. awesome as a Mariner. Yeah. His ascendance like directly overlaps with the Mariners starting to become a contending team again, back when he was called up in May of 21 21, yep. Com- comes up with Logan Gilbert, comes up with Jared Kellenick as really the, you know, the who in that. And it quickly ends up becoming more important than both of them, especially that season. Um, he was in the middle of his best season as a Mariner. Um, even, you know, it seems like he's been great the last three years and he has, but he was had reached a new level of, at this year. He's from Las Vegas. He lives in Las Vegas. In his Twitter bio, he's a Las Vegas guy. So going to a contending team that's near where he lives, this is about as good as you can do for trading someone who meant a lot to the franchise. Yes, unless you want to trade him to Oakland with the thought that they're going to be there in a year or two. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he will angle to to get there once uh, yeah. once the team is there after his, his contract would be up at the end of next season. Yeah, so I, I'll miss the hell out of Paul Seawald. I mean, like the the fire, the passion, the the consistency, the just like out of nowhereness of it, and, and really like we talked, you just talked about like you know one of Jared Depoto's best qualities, like the fact that we have all this confidence in the bullpen. Paul Seawald is the is the story to tell when you're when you're saying what the qualities of this this front office are. This front office has a lot of deficiencies in a lot of places, but you cannot say that they can't just completely resuscitate the careers of just about any reliever it appears Paul Seawall yeah this third guy is going to come up and like have a 1.9 FIP Uh, it's just going to happen exactly Paul Seawald was dead in the water in in New York and he's talked about how awful the Mets organization was what they're trying to do to him how they had no clue what to do with him they're trying to make him a sidearm thrower and then the the Mariners get him for nothing and he becomes one of the best relievers in baseball and a guy who helps them get three quality players back at the deadline. So, uh, I mean, Paul Seawald deserves great success in Arizona. And I think this organization deserves a clap on the back for what they were able to do with his career and turning it into what they did at this deadline. Agreed. And we'll always love Paul and that won't change, but it also doesn't change my mind about Paul. Just as much as we love Paul, Paul's not, I don't want to say not that valuable because it gives the wrong impression, but Paul is a finishing touch on a team and we are not close to finishing touches yet. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, uh, we, yeah. 
it's like a replacement level thing. Like to, to the Mariners, Paul Seawald does isn't going to like the loss of Paul Seawald isn't gonna be as much as the the ad of Paul Seawald is to Arizona. Right. Oh, very weird that though that they they traded Andrew Chapin though or Chapin though today. Like, He's having a pretty bad season though, isn't he? Yeah, but you know, I mean it's part of the bullpen. Yeah. I don't know. There's another guy who used to be like the best closer in baseball, and now he's like not very good anymore. It just happens. And if you if you track the history of the Mariners, there's there are littered with guys who fell off an absolute cliff after looking like some of the best players in baseball. JJ Putz, uh, yep. David Ardsma, David Ardsma, <laughs> Tom Wilhelmson, like Eddie Guardado, Eddie Guard. Well, he he was okay, but every, was, yeah, and with the Twins, I think he was pretty good actually. Every other day, Eddie is my dad used to call him. Uh, <laughs> uh so yeah that, that'll do it for for us talking about this um i remember rafael soriano yes. remember how good he was for like a minute and then we traded him for who did we trade him for like horacio ramirez from the braves we traded oh. horacio ramirez for rafael soriano to braves uh, yep, you are correct. Rossi Ramirez back in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, but he was nails for a while. That yeah. guy, Rafael Soriano. Yes. Man. Uh, uh, dark times back in the, the mid aughts for the, the <laughs> Yeah. Bike ride of the week. You got anything? Yeah, it's going to be the same bike ride as always. Mariners Twitter. <laughs> yeah. What can I, I wanted to use this bike ride as kind of our moment to say, did you like to, to single out? any of the best tweets that you've seen so far i have one it's it's not even it's like i'm sure there's certain tweets but it's just the people who have just decided that this that this front office is wrong immediately it's like god damn like if we had traded for a worse package i would i would say so i'm not gonna like completely lose my mind just or like you know go to bat for this team when no matter what they do like look at the package <laughs> i feel like people aren't doing that they're just they just see the, the like they see that the way that the water's going which is hating this deadline didn't do enough teoscar's still here and not thinking like all of the other contextual factors that might make that the case it's 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 so frustrating well can i give you the the tweet the coup de gras yes from Ty Dane Gonzalez, one of the one of the um, control the zone guys, one of the locked on Mariners guys. Yeah, it seems like a nice guy, but I just have to do this tweet. I've defended Jerry in this front office to the ends of the earth. Like, no, you, no, you haven't. But like, well, I just get, I just, I think it's cute. Like, he's like one of his Jerry's little soldiers, or something, and now he's going rogue. Yeah, but they've lost me with this shit. Not saying fire them parentheses yet because i still believe and appreciate a lot they've done but this is unacceptable how is this unacceptable like like i don't know i i i'm lost on that unacceptable like you can't accept it not yeah what was unacceptable about this I, i think the i think that's just a it's a uh stingier synonym it's not even really a synonym, but for confused. This makes my brain hurt. I can't think about this too much. Unacceptable. You know what was kind of unacceptable? The Cardinals deadline. Like they didn't really 
do anything. Like they're still in a bad situation next or year. Like the Red Sox deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a lot worse deadlines than whatever the people think our deadline was. It, the the Yankees the tweeted out their big, their big. Uh, the Yankees are in the exact same position the Mariners are, three and a half games out of the wild card. Mm-hmm. You know what they acquired? Keenan Middleton. <laughs> Who he is a dog. You have to give him that. You can only give him that. <laughs> uh, and we we're just talking about you don't trade four relievers. That's that's what they did. Um, and and Spencer Howard from from uh, the Rangers for cash. Like, okay, yeah. So yeah. I don't know, man. People have just they've made up their minds. Like they have made up their minds that this can't work. And and hey, if you want, and, uh, I think a lot of it is residual being pissed off that Colton Wong and AJ Pollock were and Teoscar Hernandez were the, the 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 things you brought in after the the best season that we've had in you know twenty years, and they didn't work out. That's fine. That pisses me off too. Yeah. But like. Yeah, we are right here and we are trying to make lemonade out of what we got. And I think we did a pretty good job. I agree. Do you have a bike run? Uh, yeah, it's basically that just, and people who get, yeah. I, I, I had this to you just as a, as a reminder, don't get pre mad. Like, Hey, if, yes. so, if, if something, yeah. if something happens and actually happens, get mad then, but don't get mad until it happens like just just chill out it's such, it's such a good point like and i think i've actually fallen into that trap of like because i i am on twitter as you are like when when they start getting mad i'm like okay now i'm mad too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah where's my torch yeah honey where's my torch but like and then also even when something happens i i'll take it a step further than don't get pre-mad don't get immediately mad like sit with it for a little bit, sit with it. And if you're still mad by the end of sitting with it, then actually be mad and that's fine. Then but you like, can call it unacceptable. Yeah. Sit with it for, for a couple hours and just like, think about it for a minute. And then I think you'll general, like you made such a good point to me. Cause I was pretty depressed that I have to watch Teoscar Hernandez take at bats for the Mariners still. And I, I still kind of am depressed about that. Like, I don't want that to be the case, but I've kind of come to accept it because you made a great point. Like these, for better or worse, Ty France and Teoscar are, if they can get hot, they're going to be pieces in this playoff push. And there probably just wasn't anything coming back that was worth risking that chance. You know what I mean? And I think they couldn't, they couldn't couldn't have upgraded meaningfully from those guys. Yeah. So I'm okay with it. I don't like Teoscar Hernandez. I will go on the record of saying that. Like, I, I'm sure he's a great person. I hate watching him play baseball. Tough, like, tough with watch. Every five tough being. watch, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're in the same place uh, on this through talking about it. Hydro of the week. I have three. One goes to Rick Riz, who is an, oh, a- nice. an yeah. ATV accident survivor. <laughs> like, what the hell? Why was Rick Riz on an ATV? Uh, and as uh, Dave Sims outed him for yesterday, is a cat owner, and his cat's name is Sparky. And I think that's fucking oh. adorable that Rick Riz. Did I tell you my Sparky. friend rolled an ATV in Montana over the weekend? Uh, no. Yeah, cost us twenty five hundred dollars. Had to split it four ways. <laughs> Ouch. Yep. He just freaking hit a bump and rolled the ATV twice. Like Bowser on Mario Kart hitting the yep. banana. <laughs> that's tough. Uh, I've got him. I've got JP Crawford for just being a goddamn dude being and, good and paul seawald for for yeah. a job very well done over the last full season and two half seasons with the mariners well let me do my tydra then it's a guy we don't talk about enough bob nightingale just doing his best out there 
I love Bob. <laughs> He's who, so who funny. Who employs Bob? <laughs> the USA Today, I think. Okay, that's funny too. <laughs> yeah, um, like an old school newspaper. That's perfect for Bob. Um, he broke the Verlander trade and somehow still got it wrong. He's just, he's a hilarious guy. He talked, he, the, the return for Verlander, which was a lot, by the way, it was um, Ryan Clifford and uh, Drew Gilbert, but Nightingale said uh, Verlander coming over for uh, Astros top prospect, Logan Gilbert. And it was just great because at that moment there was a lot of smoke uh, about lo- our Logan Gilbert actually getting traded, oh, and yeah. there so are definitely people like who perfect, had like perfect level of confusion. Perfect. There are definitely people who had like Twitter columns set up for for Logan Gilbert, and then like they find they're like, oh shit, something <laughs> happened. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> he doesn't play for that team. Also funny that we traded a pitcher named Logan today as well. So Logan and Gilbert both moved today. Two, two, three funny things with Bob Nightingale. Bob Nightingale is also the is he the arson judge guy? No, that was that was John Heyman. Was that John Hammond? Yeah, that was John Hammond. It was yeah. John, John Hammond, but it's so funny that it happens to those guys. Nightingale's uh, Twitter picture is just him smiling, and it's like a really pixelated picture. Like, like it's like yeah. that, uh, <laughs> this thumbnail that he took from something else and then put it on his thing. And Bob Nightingale is on Cameo. Oh, there's <laughs> our next one. For $45, which is $5 less than Eric Burns was, you can get him oh. on. Wait, was Eric Burns 100 bucks? Eric Burns was a hundred bucks. That's fucked up. I paid a hundred bucks. Oh no, two hundred bucks for for uh, for Eric Burns. What? He must have upped his price after he he did. He must have upped it because I, I remember not he told paid, me it was a hundred. I would not have paid two hundred bucks for, for <laughs> Eric Burns. I would, given that market though, forty five for Bob Nightingale is a total. That's a pretty good deal for Nightingale. Yeah. Did you just get him to like you know how like uh, they do like ce- celebrities read mean tweets? Like yeah, get Bob Nightingale to read his own mistake-ridden tweets. Are you there? Yeah. Did you hear me? Oh, sorry. My dog was Gracie was barking at the shit storm, so I muted my mic. Mm. Getting Bob Nightingale to read his his own tweets on on his cameo. That that would be a little bit of a, like torture for him like i'm sure he feels bad when he does it uh i feel like he's do you think usa today reprimands him they're like bob you have to start getting it right like you can't i think usa today is is run by like a 26 year old and ai at this point so yeah i I, I think (laughs) he's fine uh well big shout out to bob bob's great uh you're great phil this this trade deadline was fine and that will never satisfy Mariners Twitter. How about that? It sounded like a, a little poem I was going on there. Well, now we get to watch uh, Josh Rojas and Dominic Canzone, and I'm sure when one of them strikes out, it's going to go over swimmingly. You have reminded me, though, or or really just put me up to the task, that uh, if you were to Abraham Toro as I must now be to Dominic Canzone. I must, yes. be, I must beat this drum with the uh, Stromboli that that comes with the 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 flag here. Dominic Canzone is is my guy, and yeah, I'm ready. That's I'm ready your for that's this. your dude. Tar me, feather me in the streets. <laughs> I, I can I can handle it. But right, I will well, also dunk see. on your fucking head if yes. he ends up being good. If he turns into a next next good guy, yeah, there yes. you go. Okay, that's the trade off. Uh, all right, guys, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, tell your friends, rate us, review us, all that good stuff. Buy some coffee. ElmCoffeeRoasters.com promo code roughly. 
We'll talk to you next week. See you next week. One more thing for you, buddy. See ya!